There's a million things we have to do today, and worrying doesn't need to be one of them. That's why one in nine families use Life360 for safety, to connect to the people that matter most. Join today and get premium features that keep your family protected with real-time location updates, crash detection, and 24-7 roadside assistance. Because let's face it, you're more than just your to-do list, you're a family. So let's live life 360. Download for free today.
live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is Parareality Radio. It's a little bit after midnight central time on Friday, May 20th, 2005. I'm Sandman, and I'm going to be your host for the next two hours tonight for Parareality Radio. Actually, I said live out of habit. Tonight's show is actually not live. It is a pre-recorded broadcast. I'll be back live in the studio in two weeks, which is, if I look on the calendar here, should be uh, June the 3rd, which will be, um, let's see, two weeks from now. Exactly. Okay, so I'll be back in the studio in two weeks, which is Friday, June the 3rd, 2005. I'll be back at my usual time, which is midnight. So uh, look for me then back live in the studio And tonight's show is going to be all about how you can get rid of a pesky ghost if you have one that's bothering you or bothering uh, someone that you know. And uh, as always, excuse me, I got a little distracted there. As always, I'll be winding the show down with my ever-popular News of the Strange segment. So make sure you want to tune in at the end of the show for that. Now, everybody, if you'd like to get in touch with me, just in case you missed the first broadcast ever on uh, WRFN 98.9 Pasquo, Radio Free Nashville, uh, that was uh, two weeks ago, Friday. Uh, and um, just in case you missed it, now that wasn't the best show, obviously, that uh, has ever been done in the whole entire world. I kind of... Uh, got a late start. Uh, was nice enough to let some of the guys run their show over and everything, and it, it messed me up more than what I thought it was going to be, and so I kind of got a little bit of a late start. But anyway, in case you missed the uh, first show, you missed how you can get in contact with me. Now, um, obviously, I'm not in the studio tonight, so I'm not going to be taking calls, but if you would like to get in touch with me, there are a couple of ways. You can always, first of all, drop me an email at my email address, which <coughs> which is prradio at 50g.com. That's prradio at the number 50, letter G, dot com. prradio at 50g.com. Or you can visit my website and leave me a message in my forum. And my website address is http radio dot tripod dot com. There's no www in front of that. It's just http parareality.radio dot tripod dot com. If you look on the right side of the page, you'll see a link for my forum. If you just click on that forum link, you'll be taken to a separate website where my forum is hosted. And once you're there, you just look about halfway down the page, and you'll see the Parareality Radio thread. Just click on that, and that's where Sandman's forum is at. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, two ways, email or forum, and I'll be repeating those towards the end of the show. Uh, before I get into the pesky ghost show tonight, I'd like to read you an, uh, an email that was sent to me from Godsminder at, uh, well, I'm not going to give his email address, I don't think he'd appreciate that, but uh, the uh, email comes from Godsminder, and it comes from all the way across, halfway across the world over in the UK, and it says, Dear Sandman, I hope and pray that you do not think I seek attention because I don't. In 1982, I was lying in bed, and it was a lazy Sunday. My wife was with me, and she knew that I am ultra-sensitive to tickling, 
which he persisted to do. I stopped laughing, and my eyes glazed, and I had no pulse. I assumed during this time I was somewhere else. It was all bright white, like being in a bright mist or cloud, but it didn't hurt my eyes. I saw no tunnel, nor met anyone, but felt the ultimate feeling of peace, love, and contentment. Then I felt like I was thrown back on my bed, and, my, and I saw my wife crying, looking at me in amazement, and my first words were, Why did you bring me back? She said, From where? You died. You've been dead 15 minutes, and the medics are on the way. Then he has a few other things that he has to say, and for the sake of saving time, I'm going to kind of read through that real quickly. But uh, he ends up by saying, When I die, I just want to go to heaven, not have the power to dim lights. And then he closes by saying, Hey, might even visit your show when I'm gone. You're great. Keep the show going. I'm always looking for answers. And it's signed, God's Minder. Thank you for the email, God's Minder. Sounds like you had a very unique uh, near-death experience there. I've never actually heard of anyone... Uh, dying from being tickled to death, but I guess it could happen. Um, that is very unusual, number one, to die from tickling. And uh, also, usually, uh, when you do have these near-death experiences, it's been, uh, from my research anyway, that most people usually see some sort of, of light, that, like such as, as you did. Now, it doesn't have to be a tunnel or anything, but usually they do see some sort of bright white light. And most often, they are met by someone whom they do know, who uh, usually imparts some sort of message or leads them to somewhere on the other side or something. So it was very strange that you did not meet anyone that you know. But I do believe that you did have some sort of near-death experience, and I really appreciate the email. And uh, if you have anything else like that out there, anybody, not just God's minor, but anybody, be sure and uh, let me know. You can uh, ask me any questions that you'd like. Uh, comments, whatever. Let me know if anything weirds happened to you. PR Radio at 50G.com. Thanks, God's Minder, for that email. All right, let's get into the show this evening. My show, of course, is how to get rid of pesky ghosts, just in case you may have one that is bothering you or someone that you know. Now, look, removal of a spirit is something that. I, I necessarily don't endorse as far as it being unwarranted um, simply because you're frightened is doesn't warrant taking a spirit out of the house okay and now but before I go any further I want to kind of clear up that people interchange the words ghosts and spirit like they mean one and the same thing and they actually do not just and I will do a show on this here in the very near future but just for for right now the keep it simple stupid the kiss method of ex of definitions is this a ghost is more like a recording type thing it has no intelligence it's just a, a an impression a recording uh, that happens at a certain time whether it's the same time of night or day, same time of week, same time of month, or same time of year. It is a, more of a psychic impression of a recording of something that's happened. A spirit is actually what most people would consider a ghost, which is the one that interacts, that has purpose, that does things. So, actually, when I say how to get rid of a pesky ghost, I should actually rephrase that and say, how can you get rid of a pesky spirit? Okay? 
So, I don't endorse the unwarranted removal of a spirit simply because you yourself may be frightened. Now, it's not unusual for people to fear what they don't understand, and it's unfortunately, it's just human nature to try and destroy whatever it is that we fear. Now, I believe that establishing some sort of friendly dialogue with them, with this spirit, is better than to, let's say, call up your local priest or your quote-unquote ghostbuster or whoever your local ghostbuster is to toss water or wave, you know, uh, crucifixes or speak, uh, you know, highly charged words or phrases at this spirit. Now, some traditional myths are associated with methods to expel these malevolent spirits. These are simply just that. They're myths, and they don't work. Now, the first myth is uh, it suggests calling up a name of some sort of heavenly deity, such as God or Jesus or the Virgin Mary, to compel this malevolent spirit to depart, to leave. Uh, simply by making the sign of the cross or hosing, ho holding rosary beads or, or holding up an actual crucifix or a cross and calling upon God or Jesus or the Virgin Mary for help is not going to have any effect on this malevolent spirit. Why is that? I know you're saying why. Well, a malevolent spirit is outside the belief system that the living accepts and uh, predictates, predicates excuse me, their, their lives upon. The malevolent spirit has the advantage of being in the spirit world and comprehending the two realities. While we're still here in our physical bodies, we can only practice the dogmas and the tenets that we've been taught. And the spirit isn't under this handicap because it's beyond the religion of man and can see and understand the reality of what exists in the spirit world. Now the second myth is, of course, that a malevolent spirit can be removed by an exorcism. Now, a malevolent spirit will not leave simply because someone sprinkles holy water or speaks religious words commanding them to leave. This is more appropriate for screenwriters in Hollywood who conjure up these dark figures who torment man, and the easy, predictable solutions, such as exorcism, is what they pick to expel the malevolent spirit. Now, while this solution works in Hollywood, it really doesn't work in real life. These myths suggest that religious icons or religious rituals or, 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 or holy and powerful words will force a malevolent spirit from a home and it's steeped in the folklore stemming from the Middle Ages. Consider, just for a minute, that not all spirits are currently in their spirit form or were, when they were alive, Christians. So let's say that not all spirits are or were Christians in life. So why would they suddenly obey holy words that someone's uttering now when they wouldn't do this when they were alive? So let's reason together as to why exorcism will fail to remove unwanted spirits. First of all, we got to ask, what is an exorcism? Well, this is the KISS method again, okay? I'm not Catholic. I'm not going to get into exorcisms. But this is basically it. Someone authorized by the church to cast out unwanted spirits 
usually after a lengthy interview and evaluation by a church official, does the act of exorcism. The person doing the exorcism usually holds the priesthood of their respective church and is endowed with certain gifts to work with these malevolent spirits. Unfortunately, all of this sounds really good and in keeping with God's plan for removing spirits, but that's just stop right there. Who said that this is God's plan? Why is it that ministers or pastors or priests do not know how to deal with those whose homes are haunted? Prayers and blessings don't really have any effect on spirits. Ghost, ghost hunters, and I hate that word, I like paranormal investigators, paranormal investigators get calls from pastors and ministers and priests from the mainstream religion all the time. And these people can't deal with the haunting experienced by their members. So it's up to the paranormal investigators to help them understand what it is that needs to be done. So, let's examine how God does implement his plans. The exorcist is ordering the spirit to be gone in the name of God, and therefore God will remove that malevolent spirit, or at least this is what the philosophy is. However, in real life, this isn't true. God does not intervene to save a child's life from starvation, danger, threat, or loss of life, even at the prayers of parents, friends, or clergy. When God does not intervene, the clergy will say that it's God's will. Now, this is simply, in my opinion, a cop-out, an excuse for why the prayers weren't answered. God doesn't intervene to prevent an action or to remove a terror or horror that we encounter in this life. God doesn't interfere with the day-to-day -day operations of this life or of its people. If God won't intervene and save an innocent child from death, why would he intervene and cast out a malevolent spirit? He will not intervene. Therefore, all exorcism is useless and ineffective and only seem to aggravate these spirits further. The spoken language of the exorcism ritual does not affect spiritual change in the spirit entity. In most cases, the exorcism will anger the spirits and more harm will result because of the ritual. Therefore, what magical powers do these words have? Have these words ever stopped a killer? Well, the answer to that is obvious. It's no, they have not. Words can help us understand about the world within which we live, but words alone can't change the course of a river. They can't move mountains. Words can change our individual lives because we apply the emotions or experience with the words. Words have no effect or power upon spirits of the dead, so why do we need to establish a dialogue with them? How will that remove these malevolent spirits? Well, I'm glad that you asked that. Let's consider why a spirit may remain in this earth plane 
as a malevolent spirit. Consider a person who allowed his vices to rule his life. This person succumbs to the baser instincts in life and relies upon his need to feel good by outside stimulation. His spirit is debased and resides in the lowest levels of the spirit world upon his death. That spirit hasn't evolved into a higher life form, but it's retained the level that it was at when it died. It seeks to find victims exhibiting the same negative energy fields upon which it can feed. This is the traditional emotional vampire that sucks the emotional energies until the victim is emotionally dry. The spirit then abandons them for someone else. Once it uses them up, it abandons them for someone else to repeat this cycle. And it's just an ever-ending cycle and a never-ending search for victims. So who are the victims of these malevolent spirits? Well, the victims are those who are filled with unresolved emotions such as animosity, um, malice, bitterness, anger, hatred, or resentment that festers in the deep, dark recesses in the back of the mind. These intense emotions are attracting the negatively charged malevolent spirits. The negative emotions may be the result of a divorce. It could be something like, I don't know, bankruptcy, problems in the marriage, uh, problems with the family in general. Uh, it could also be because of problems at your job or basically any kind of stress, any kind of major stress that this person is going through. Now, maybe this internal conflict is from bitter memories of childhood or a traumatic event in one's life that's not yet been fully resolved. This is not a common occurrence. It's well documented that most exorcisms work for a short time and then the spirit activity seems to increase afterwards. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that this dormant period between the exorcism and the activity coming back can be explained by the lunar cycles involving the full and new moons. The period between the new and full moon has the lowest geomagnetic fields. This suggests that ghostly activity is almost non-existent. The problems that come up from attempts to banish or exercise a spirit, not exercise, but exorcise, the problems that, that I can see trying someone uh, running a spirit on a treadmill, okay, that was stupid. The problems that arise from the attempts to banish or exorcise a spirit suggest that a greater negative force comes into the home stronger than it was before. I don't believe that exorcism is effective because our laws or practices don't bind the spirits of the dead. They've crossed over and they understand more of what we accept on faith and their knowledge suggests that what we believe may not actually be factual. Exorcism uh, is kind of like using the, the Ouija boards. 
it often allows unwanted malevolent spirits to enter the home. And just a little side note on the Ouija boards. Okay? If you have a Ouija board, or if you're thinking of using a Ouija board, or if you are currently using a Ouija board, I urge you right now to stop. Don't do it. If you haven't done it, don't. If you're in the middle of doing it, quit. Ouija boards are very, very dangerous if you do not know what it is that you are doing. And there are very, very few people out there who know what they're doing when it comes to Ouija boards. Ouija boards, when you play with them, invite spirits. It's like an open door. It invites spirits to come in to our plane of existence and to wreak havoc. Most of the time, these spirits are, these malevolent spirits are mischievous spirits, just like I'm talking about right here. If you want to make sure that your house is haunted by a pesky spirit, go buy a Ouija board. Play around with it, and probably the chances are very high that you are going to have an infestation of a malevolent spirit in your home. Uh, you, you have to really know how to use the Ouija board properly. You have to have a strong mind and a strong will, and someone who has never used a Ouija board before doesn't know this, and... It just takes proper training, and, and it's very, very hard to find the proper training. And even if you do have proper training, it's very dangerous to get. And if you're using a Ouija board, even and you are properly trained, and there's someone in the room with you, or even using the Ouija board with you, who is not properly trained on its use, or who has weak will and weak mind and weak spirit, then you're still inviting these malevolent spirits to come in. So the best thing to do, in the Sandman's opinion, is to do nothing. Just do not mess with the Ouija board, please. Just if you've got one, I know they sell them in the stores as game boards and stuff like that. People, these are not games. Please don't play with the Ouija board. And if you've got one, please throw it away. Don't mess with it, please. They are very, very dangerous. And you'll probably wind up, I'm not saying you're going to be possessed and uh, your head is going to start spinning around on your neck and you spit pea soup everywhere. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I'm, what I'm saying is these things will invite malevolent spirits into your home or wherever it is that you're at. And... They're very, very difficult to get rid of. So, please, once again, my last time saying this, if you've got a Ouija board and you are in the middle of using it or you have used it already, please stop. Don't use it anymore and throw it away. If you've got one and you haven't used it, throw it away. Don't even worry about using it, please. Okay? So that was just my little side note about Ouija boards. Now just to repeat what I said before I got off of my little tangent here, exorcism is like using the Ouija boards. It often allows unwanted malevolent spirits to enter the home. Now what's more common in 99% of the time is what I call a prankster spirit who just simply loves 
to play a good joke on those of us who are still alive and kicking. Now, a lot of paranormal investigators, it's been their experience from communication with thousands of people who've had uh, an experience that frightened them sufficiently enough to call for help, such as banishment or exorcism or whatever, that their reasons were purely selfish and reflected a lack of understanding of the spirits of the dead. Well, so... Now we're talking about prankster spirits, and I know you're asking yourself, what is a prankster spirit? Well, I've come to understand that the pranks initiated by the spirits of the dead often call for acknowledgement, a call for help, or perhaps it's just simply a joke they're playing on the living. The most common ghostly pranks that scare people and there's a list of them right here. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper and you want to write them down, I'll go slow. A prankster spirit is simply some spirit that may be having fun with us or just simply try to scare us. But the most common ghostly pranks that scare people are this. Here we go. Get your pen and paper out. Footsteps in the hallway or attic. Low voices. Muffled voices. Objects vanishing. Objects being moved. Dark shadows on the wall. Appliances being turned on and off. Lights turned on or off at will by someone other than a human. Or the living, should I say. Strange odors. Dogs and cats acting weird. Your name being called. The feeling or the impression that someone is watching you. Footprints appearing. Or strong negative emotions felt. That's about, what, 14, 13 or 14 things. Let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. That's 14 that's what I thought. And stop and count again. That's 14. I don't know how to count very good in school. Can you tell? That's 14 uh, common ghostly pranks that scare people. Now, I just did an interview with a guy named C.J. Hurt on the Internet version of Parareality Radio, um, which is playing on the Live 365 radio network, by the way. Uh, anyway, I just did an interview last Friday with a guy named C.J. Hurt, who uh, was telling me about uh, a, an experience that he had in a haunted house. And uh, it was actually his grandparents' home, and um, he went and stayed for them for the summer. And he was telling me all about his experiences, and he experienced many of these things that I was just naming off. Uh, most specifically, he experienced footsteps, in the hallway or attic, and this actually was footsteps on the second floor. He was on the first floor. The, the second floor of their home was totally vacant. There was not even a stitch of furniture in it. No one stayed up there, yet he heard footsteps on the second floor and on the stairs. He also heard low voices and muffled voices coming from the same area. could not make out what they said, but he did make out low and muffled voices. 
he also got the impression many, many times that someone was watching him, and he had strong negative emotions, especially in the guest house. His uh, the the place that he was that his grandparents were in was, was like a very old house, close to a hundred years old or something like that. And it had a guest house, and there was very strong negative emotions felt in the guest house. Now, he didn't experience any lights being turned on or off or, or anything like that, or his name being called, but he did uh, have an experience in that guest house that I was just telling you about uh, where something, while his back was turned, scratched the words, Help me, on the wall. He was looking out the window and heard scratching noises and turned around and the words, Help me, were scratched in the wall. So, out of everything that I just... Now, were, were these ghosts, you know, were these spirits playing practical jokes on him? Well, he had a couple of other experiences that happened, which I will not get into here. But uh, he experienced one, two, three, four, five of these 14. So he experienced a very good handful of these things that are common for ghostly pranks. Now, I, it, you'd have to listen to the whole interview, and I'm not trying to say that that these ghosts were playing pranks on him, but I, 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 I'm really not too sure. But uh, he did experience five out of the 14, so that's a pretty significant... I mean, if it was just one or two, I would probably say, eh, no, this probably, you know, you can chalk it up to something else. But five of these things, I would say, yeah, there was some spirit activity just based upon what he was telling me. And I don't know if they were playing uh, pranks on him or not, but he definitely had met five of this criteria. Now, in all of those aforementioned 14 criteria for that that represent common ghost common spirit pranks uh the spirit and all those all those that I just mentioned the spirit just may simply be having some fun to see how we'll deal with it now some people will get scared and they'll move out of the home others they won't do anything except become paranoid and a few will just out and out just simply laugh about the prank. Now, the only time that I would consider uh, unhealthy for a ghost to pull pranks in a home is if there are small children that are present and they're being frightened. What I would do is I would ask the spirit not to scare the child or the children, if there's more than one, just ask that in a firm voice, strong but not overbearing. Talking to a spirit is very helpful in resolving issues that the living won't address. Because trust me, they can hear us. We need a psychic medium or someone of that nature to let them communicate with us. However, the same is not true if we want to communicate with them. In other words, they can hear us, but we can't hear them. Not without some special help. So the spirit can hear you. So talk to it. Open that dialogue, that effective form of communication there. Use a firm, strong voice. Now don't be rude. Don't be uh, uh, shouting and, and all the other sorts of stuff. But just use a good, strong voice. Like I said, strong but not over, overbearing. And ask the spirit not to scare the children that are in the house. And a lot of times that works. Not 
every single time, mind you, but a lot of times that does do the job. Now, the prankster spirit has issues that it needs to address, such as earth-linked emotions that it must release so it can move to a higher level of the spirit kingdom. Now, banishing the spirits will not help them on a spiritual level. What we need to do is we need to work with them to resolve the issues or aid them in resolution of unfinished business so that they are free of the anchors that tie them to this world. We need to be concerned about their spiritual welfare, not simply our own fears of the unknown. Now, however, there is another kind of spirit who is not seeking help, nor is it seeking resolution of issues. All it's doing is, it's, it's just a lower level malevolent spirit, and all it's doing is taking pleasure in hurting others. That's all in the world it does. So it's not the same thing as a poltergeist, although it, it, a lot of people will think that these things are, are poltergeist. And poltergeist means noisy ghost. It's German. It means noisy ghost or noisy spirit. And there are, of course, those uh, ghosts, as I, or excuse me, those spirits that I just said who are lower level malevolent spirits that just simply take pleasure in, in hurting other people. These people are, or excuse me, these spirits are angry for whatever reason. Angry because they're dead. Angry because um, they weren't happy in life. Uh, angry because you're like you're alive and they're not. I mean, it, it's it's it could be anything as to why these people are. These, these spirits are angry. What, what makes a spirit an unhappy camper? What's, what circumstances may create a, an unhappy camper situation for spirits of the dead? Well, I want to present, before I go on any further, some circumstances that would probably generate such a situation. Now imagine, just for a minute, the frustration and anger that could follow one's death, such as from an automobile accident, or uh, you know, just, or from maybe you got killed, or whatever, you know, just it's um, unexpected. Okay, you got so much to accomplish, or this person had so much to accomplish in their life, but it's not it's not possible anymore. The spirit realizes that the living can't see or hear it anymore. So think of all the unresolved issues or unfinished business that a spirit could still have. Imagine that the guilt and pain from our actions can no longer be undone. The spirit becomes riddled with guilt, pain, frustration, resentment, and anger with the situation that it now finds itself placed in. The spirit passes on that anger and negative attitudes as feelings to those who are still living, who are near them. The spirit resents those of us who are still living, and it generates or emits negative energy that will cloud the minds of the living and bring on bouts of depression 
or even despondency. This kind of spirit is a malevolent spirit. It's unhappy. It's angry. This kind of spirit is different from those spirits that reside in a different plane of the spirit world. Now, I could equate this level with the mud and the, the mire of a swamp uh, that normal, uh, rational, sane people avoid. While there are spirits that dwell uh, in this lowest realm, there are also spirits that dwell in other realms as well. Now, consider for a moment uh, the penal system that's here in the United States. When someone's arrested and convicted of a crime against society, that person is locked away in a prison or a jail for a, a prescribed period of time. Sometimes they're even put to death. The consideration here is not on rehabilitation, but on punishing the offender. Now, however, when they've served the prescribed time, the prisoner is released back into society, having paid for his crimes according to the law. So he's released. Okay, released, yes, but not rehabilitated. The attitudes and emotion that were present in that person when the crime was committed are usually still fully active in that person years later after they get released from prison. So therefore, locking up a person doesn't really uh, equate with re-educating and redirecting that person's negative behavior. Suppose that person died in prison or died right after they were released. Now it's, an, it's a spirit. This person is not a person anymore. It's a spirit. It's a new spirit. So this new spirit is going to retain the antisocial behavior disorders and attitudes from the former life that it had. Now the spirit has an opportunity to wreak havoc on whoever it wants to. The frustration and resentment against society for punishment of his crimes now has an outlet, more or less, more so it's a destructive outlet, okay? I think, I believe, these kinds of spirits compose the vast majority of spirits that earn the name demons or evil spirits. That's a very strong possibility, and you, if you've got any kind of rationality to you, you've got to s sit there and say to yourself, what he is saying makes sense. Whether it's true or not, this is just my opinion, and it makes perfectly good sense, I believe. And, by the way, people, your opinion, no matter what it is, is one thing that you can never, ever in the whole entire world you, or your whole entire life, excuse me, your opinion is something that you can never ever be wrong on because it's yours. It is your opinion. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily uh, true. I'm just saying that's how you feel inside of yourself internally. So you can never be wrong about your own opinion. Now, whether the opinion is true or not is a different story. My opinion of the sky may be that the sky is actually purple, whereas yours is your opinion is that the sky is blue, but does that make it true or not? You see, I think you can see what I'm saying here. So it's my belief that these kinds of, of unhappy and malevolent spirits compose the vast majority of spirits that we have given 
that paranormal investigators or even the religious community have have given these these spirits the name of demons or of evil spirits. Now, are they evil because they're just evil evil? Or are they evil because they're unhappy because they're ticked off or whatever? Well, getting a little bit into the religion side of things right here, let me tell you, if you're religious and you read your Bible, uh, you will know that God does not make people evil. God does not make evil. Okay? What makes the person evil or bad is personal or individual choice to be either bad or good or whatever. So God does not necessarily, God, well, I'm not going to say necessarily because God doesn't make evil. It's a personal choice to do the evil or to do the good. So what happens to the murderers and the rapists when they pass beyond the long arm of the law? Do they suddenly repent of all of their bad deeds or do they suddenly find themselves free to continue with their depravity and their malevolence? Well, these are the malevolent spirits that haunt and torment the living. These are the spirits who most often will be summoned through a Ouija or talking board. And remember I was talking to you earlier about the Ouija board. Now, the Ouija board is marketed as an entertainment board game that uh, may be one of the most dangerous on the market today. And, you know, I've already kind of delved into that just a little bit. I'm going to kind of get back onto my soapbox about it here. Um, when, when stupid people, when no, unless I'm not, that's not, that's not even a good term to say. When, when ignorance, people who are ignorant to this kind of thing, when these ignorant people gather around a Ouija board to summon spirits, they're inviting these types of malevolent spirits into their lives and into their home. These malevolent spirits are not honorable spirits, but they're gifted in the art of lies and deceit. These are the lowest of the low-level spirits, such as the rapists, murderers, uh, thieves, and those who've used people and then discarded them as nothing more than just garbage. Now, the Bible or other religious icons won't have any power over these low-level spirits, nor will calling for only good spirits to come forth. Once the door has been opened by inviting the spirits into your domain, the resulting outcome is usually a very negative one. Now, therefore, I do not endorse the use of Ouija boards as a tool for researching the dead, and as I've already said a couple of times, I recommend that the Ouija board be avoided completely. The dangers are too high for any information that might come your way. It has nothing to do with religion, but with our experiences. As far as the paranormal investigation community goes, I, I would be willing to bet a large amount of money that almost every call or email to paranormal investigators about a real problem with a malevolent spirit 
occurred after the use of a Ouija board. Now, you know, while not everyone may suffer these problems, why deliberately take a chance with inviting spirits that will not leave and cannot be forced to leave? The Ouija board is not just a game, but it's a portal that allows these malevolent spirits to enter the home and take up residency. So what I recommend is developing your own sensitivity to the sensitivity to the spirits and learn to feel their presence and to interpret their emotions to start with. Later on you can work on developing the ability to further the communications with them. There are books and study guides that are available to help develop your own psychic and your intuitive skills and the intuitive skills within you in my opinion are perhaps one of your best tools in the field of paranormal investigation. Now, these I kind of got back on my soapbox of the Ouija boards. So now you understand how I feel about Ouija boards. If you ever had any question about it, don't use them, okay? So we're talking about getting back to the malevolent spirits. A malevolent spirit is just it's a spirit with destructive behavior patterns. It's got destructive behavior patterns that will harm a, any member of a household. Once the member, once this household member has been attacked by this malevolent spirit, this person seeks is going to seek the name of a good priest who will conduct an exorcism, or they'll contact, you know, the local Ghostbusters, local ghost hunters, paranormal investigators. Now, these people will respond, and and they suggest, well, we'll do an investigation, and they'll say, okay, I think we need to do an exorcism. Well, I suggest that it's not going to do any good to hold an exorcism. Instead, you need to treat the cause, not the issue. That's the problem with the exorcism is you're tending to more try and treat the issue of what's going on and not the direct cause. I believe in cause and effect, and the cause is not the malevolent spirit causing the negative energy, but the reasons that the spirit is drawn to that person. The cause stems from the negative energy being broadcast by the individual because of deep emotional issues that are not resolved. Resolution doesn't come by applying the myths of the Middle Ages that represent outside changes or events, but to turn inside for changes that will negate the negative energies being broadcast by the person. Very often, the person won't know that he or she is transmitting negative emotions because the transmitter is buried deep inside the scar tissue of the emotional wound or whatever. Victims expect bells and whistles when they call upon someone to do an exorcism but in reality, the truth is plain and is ignored by most people because it appears to be too simple to work. Each of us acts as a beacon. We send forth an emotional, an emotional energy, and that energy can be positive energy or it can be negative energy. Malevolent spirits who feed on negative emotions, they f pick up on this negative energy and they soon arrive to, quote-unquote, stir the pot, okay? 
And if we want to heal, we must forgive and forget and move on. So we must forgive those who have hurt us and move past the pain to find emotional harmony. Forgiveness is the first step in healing our inner being and turning off the beacon. So after saying all this, after sitting here for almost an hour talking to you about pesky spirits, you know, you're sitting here asking yourself, yeah, that's fine, that's good. You've, you've given us a whole bunch of your personal beliefs and, and explained to them why, but what is the key? What, why have you been sitting here for the last 50 minutes talking to us about how to remove pesky spirits, but you haven't really said anything? Well, then you need to go back and listen to this show again because I've actually said quite a lot. But there is the key. Okay, there is a key to removing pesky spirits. And the key to removing pesky spirits is to remove the negative emotions that are buried deep within us. We must not keep these destructive emotions buried. We need to let them go. The solution is within us, and only we can change how we feel or how we react to others. We need to let go of emotional baggage and get on with our life. We hurt no one except ourselves with destructive emotional baggage. And remember there's an old saying that says, a man thinketh, so he is. We carry within us the forgiveness, which is the key that will unlock the catacomb that protects our emotional monsters. We do not want emotional monsters locked away in our minds because they will beckon to the low-level malevolent spirits who feed on these negative emotions. If we heal ourselves, we can get rid of those pesky spirits. We carry the key that will remove pesky spirits from our home. And the key is not an outside force, but it's the inner. You've got to turn everything unto yourself. If you are having an experience with a malevolent spirit, first of all, before you go to your local priest or Baptist minister or preacher or whatever, first of all, look at yourself. Turn the, the, the beacon, the searchlight, to the inside and look for look look inward to yourself to find out what is negative about you and I don't mean what is wrong with you I'm saying what is negative are you having uh, a bad time with your relationship whether you're married or not or whether you just live someone or dating someone are you having uh, do you hate your job have you used a Ouija board lately or been in the presence of someone who's used a Ouija board? L turn, turn, it, turn the search into the inner self first to find out what could there be in me that is giving off negative energy that is attracting these malevolent <laughs> spirits. I can't even talk right now. These malevolent spirits. What, what, what is inside of you? that could be negative. And if you don't think there's anything inside you, turn to those who are closest to you, your wife, your siblings, your parents, 
whoever it is that you live with. Heck, you may just have simply, you may simply have a roommate or whatever. But find what is wrong inside you to start off with. What is negative within you? And remember, just because someone is negative, excuse me, <coughs> it's because there is a malevolent spirit in the home does not mean that you should call an, a priest to come perform an exorcism. Because remember, one of the first things that I said was that if a spirit was not religious in life, they certainly aren't going to be religious in death. So they're not going to suddenly turn and start following the word of God. They're not going to get out of your home simply because you say the power of Christ compels you and throw some holy water at it. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. No, it's not going to compel them to do jack. All they're going to do is get ticked off and they're going to stay and they're going to make your life even more miserable than what they have been doing in the past. So before you try to call in your local Ghostbusters or paranormal investigator or your priest or reverend or pastor or minister, first of all, if you're having these problems with a malevolent spirit, with a pesky spirit, first of all, look inside yourself. See what negative emotions you're having from whatever is going on. What You could be the key that is attracting these spirits to your home or your place of business or wherever they're at. So look inside yourself first, find the negative energies, and remove it. That's how you should get rid of a pesky ghost. Once you get rid of the food, they're not going to stay around. If you've got a stray cat or if you've got a cat or a dog or whatever and you feed it, the thing's going to stay because that's where it gets its food. If you stop feeding it, chances are before it starves to death, it'll go somewhere else looking for food. If it's a problem to you to keep this animal or whatever, that solves the problem. And that's how you need to get rid of a pesky spirit. Simply get rid of the negative emotions that are in you or are surrounding you. And that should, hopefully, take care of your your molesky spirit. <laughs> I can't, still can't talk of your malevolent spirit, your pesky spirit. Well, it's at the top of the hour. You are listening to Parareality Radio here on WRFN Radio Free Nashville 98.9 in Pasquo. Free power, low power for the people. Gosh, I can't even talk tonight. <laughs> low power for the people, WRFN 98.9. Pasquo. And I'm going to uh, take a quick break here and uh, let you listen to a little music. This is, uh, this is man, this is a song that I thought was very appropriate for tonight's uh, show. This is uh, one of my favorite groups. This is Evanescence, and the title of this is called Haunted. Like I said, very appropriate. So I'm going to let you listen to this, and I'll be right back, and we'll wind the show down. Uh, we're going to do a long segment tonight on News of the Strange. I haven't done a News of the Strange segment for you guys. This is my first one. So I'm going to introduce you to News of the Strange. And uh, I'm going to take a quick break. This is Evanescence with Haunted. I'll be back here in just a minute. <laughs> Words will 
That was Evan Essence. Ev <laughs> my God, I am so tongue-tied. That was Evan Essence with Haunted. Oh, my God, I cannot speak tonight worth a crap. You know, while the song was playing, someone was here in the studio. They just popped their head in real quick-like, and they said, uh, Hey, Sandman, do you really believe all that crap that you were just spouting off? Well, of course I do, you freaking idiot. That's why I was saying it. Of course I believe all that stuff. You know, I know that this is probably, uh, people probably think, my God, you've got to be a little off your rocker. You're you're just so weird. Well, well, you know, maybe I am a little weird. I don't know, but I'm definitely not off of my rocker. Um, let me tell you, I mean, things happen. Unusual, unexplained things happen. And there's just too much evidence out there that there is life after death of some sort. Now, whether it's we go to heaven or we go to hell or we stay here and float around in, you know, in, a, in an unseen form or whatever, I, the only way to find that out is to die. And I don't care who you are, what your religious conviction is. I don't care if you're a Catholic priest. And Catholics are the most closed-minded people on the face of the earth when it comes to religion. And it's, it's very hard to get them to see any other possibilities. Not admit that anyone is wrong or right, but just to, just to admit that there could be other possibilities. But anyway, I don't care what your religious conviction is. You may say, I totally and 100% and completely believe that I'm going to heaven when I, when I die and that there is a spiritual life after death and that I will sit on the right side of God or that I'm going to go to hell or whatever. You may believe that 100%, but you know what? You don't know. The only way you can know is to die. And there aren't too many people that I have ever heard of who have died and been dead and come back to life and said, hey, this is all true. There's only one person on the f history of the world, on the face of this planet, that has ever done that. And that's supposedly Jesus Christ, who was dead for three days and then came back. And now he is sitting by the side of God in heaven waiting for his second coming. So, in, if you believe in your Bible, and I'm not going to turn this into a religious show, please don't let me turn this into a religious show. But, like I said, the only way to know is to absolutely 100% be 100% for sure, no matter what you believe, but you got to die. And when you die, there just really ain't no coming back after you die. That's just how it goes. So, I am I'm done with that. I'm not going to be talking about that anymore. Uh, I am, however, going to be talking about some news of the strange. Now, normally I would have this nice little segue into news of the strange and have this all this nice little bumper music and everything. But uh, we're still getting the system, the uh, all the bugs were out of the system here at uh, WRFN. So. Uh, Hopefully next show I'll have everything all up and running where we can actually use all of my uh, my music and stuff here. But uh, I've got this, oh man, I've got this great little bumper music 
happens. This segues in and usually the strange is great. You're going to love it when we get this thing up and running. Uh, t so in case you're you're listening for the first time, uh, you may uh, be wondering what in the heck is News of the Strange. Well, I kind of cut the first part of the show a little short tonight so I could spend a little bit more time on my News of the Strange so I could let you know exactly what in the world News of the Strange is. Well, I tell you, I've been doing this radio show for about two years now. And one day I was doing a show that uh, I just needed some some filler stuffs to to help me get through the rest of the rest of the show because I, I couldn't I didn't have enough info I guess to um, fill up the whole time on the show so I was looking around for something to help me fill in the free space that I had and uh, don't ask me how I came up with this idea because I absolutely could not tell you how I came up with this idea, but uh, I was looking around for stuff on the internet to, to uh, use for filler shows, and I came across, uh, or I came up with this idea for, uh, let's do some some uh, news. So, I, I thought, well, you know, all there are radio shows out there that they all have little news segments, you know, doesn't matter where you are, they they have news segments, you know, and it doesn't matter what radio station you're listening to or or what uh what their format is, you know, they're they're going to have at least um a couple of times a day, you know, news segments. And I didn't want to come up with something that was just um, the same old, same old. That you could, same old news that you could get anywhere. Uh, so, what I did was I thought, well, I'm going to come up with a different type of news broadcast. I'm going to have a different type of, of, of something different to report on. Anyway, so I thought of this news of the strange segment, and I just as I was read as, as I was reading through news articles and stuff to try and figure out what I was going to report on, I started noticing how many strange and just stupid, idiotic morons that exist in the real world. And come on, okay, we all know at least one moron that's out there. And if if you got a bunch of friends, there's at least one moron in your group of friends. And if you don't know who that moron is, it's you. Okay? There are some really there's some there's some dumbasses out there. And yes, you can say ass on the radio. And there are some dumbasses out there. Let me tell you. And as I was looking through these news articles to try and come up with some news for my show, I thought, my gosh, I'll just report on all these weirdos and dumbasses that are out there that are doing stupid things because, you know, there is so much of the news these days that is it's 99% it, of it is nothing but doom and gloom and don't do this because you'll get cancer, don't do that because you'll get cancer, 
this volcano is about to explode, there's this epidemic somewhere else, there's terrorists blowing themselves up, there's people getting shot and killed and stabbed and raped and beaten, and then the other 1% seems like it's useless entertainment news. You know, who cares? <laughs> who cares about the useless entertainment news that's out there? I mean, really. You know, Demi Moore, she's 40 years old and has three kids and she's dating a 28-year-old uh, younger man, you know, and she's so fit and trim. How does she do it? Who cares how she does it? She makes $20 million a movie or whatever. You know, how? With who, who cares, you know? So with, with making that amount of money per movie, she can hire someone to plan all her meals for her. And she has her own personal nutritionist on, you know, and trainer and all that sort of stuff. Who cares? I almost said something bad, didn't I? <laughs> Thank God I caught myself. Who cares what she does to stay trip, tri trim and fit? You know, so that so you got 99% of the news is all doom and gloom, and 1% is all is is entertainment stuff. So I was I thought, you know what, I am not going to report on doom and gloom. But however, I am going to do something uplifting because I mean we deal with some pretty heavy topics here on Parareality Radio, and I wanted to try and end the show with something lighthearted. So here I am with this idea for news of the strange, and I, I it's so easy to find because. There are so many moronic people out there. So I did this News of the Strange segment for my radio show that day, and it was just going to be just a one-time, one-shot deal. I had to have some something filler. So I did it. And the response that I got, the emails, was phenomenal. People just ate it up. They loved the News of the Strange segment because it, it's... It makes people feel good about themselves, I think. I mean, it's funny, number one. But number two, it, feel, it, makes, it can make you feel good about yourself. I mean, if, if you think your life sucks, if you think you're having a bad day, listen to News of the Strange, and you'll realize, hey, my life doesn't suck that bad after all. You know? There's always someone out there who is ten times worse than you are. They've got it ten times worse than you do. Trust me, there's always somebody out there. And so, after I did this this one-shot deal of News of the Strange, I got all of this email. People just loved it. They ate it up. They thought it was some of the funniest stuff they'd ever heard in their whole entire life. Because, I mean, you know, this was, after all, Internet, which is where I, where I do my primary broadcasting from, is the Internet. And we're not as restricted by the FCC as we are here on uh, FM radio. So I could say let's uh let's say I could use a little bit more colorful metaphors if you know what I mean. And uh <laughs> I just went off on these morons that uh that I was doing my show on, the news segment on, and people just ate it up, they loved it. And so I thought, well, I'll do another show, you know, and uh and, and or when I do my other show I'll do another news segment and we'll just see. So I did another news segment and once again response was so phenomenal just people were just eating this stuff up they could not get enough of it so i made it i incorporated it into a permanent fixture of the show and so every 
show that I do now, I end with my News of the Strange segment. And it, it's, of course, the news thing has evolved as time has worn on. It was it started out just by doing uh, stupid stories uh, about anything that I that I chose, and it's eventually it has evolved into the form that it is now, which is I start I have always have one story that deals with it something of the paranormal, whether it's ghosts or spirits or uh, cryptids, cryptozoological creatures, um, stuff like that. I always try and do one paranormal story lead off, and then I'm ended up, of course, with the uh, with the the morons. <laughs> I wish I could say something else, but I can't. Not not on the air anyway. <laughs> not on FM. <laughs> but uh, it it is it is wound up to be a very very popular thing on my internet radio show and so I've decided to to keep everything simple for me I'm trying to keep the same style the same format uh, of course I have to clean my act up a little bit here for uh, uh, FM radio but I'm keeping the same format of the show so I'm going to be closing starting tonight I'm going to be ending every show that I do with of course the news of the strange segment now if you have any submissions for News of the Strange, please don't hesitate to send them in to me because I do have people who send me submissions all the time. And I will tell you at the end of the uh, the broadcast here how you can send me some story submissions for News of the Strange. So uh, getting right down to it without tr- without wasting any more time, let's get right into News of the Strange. I'm going to start off tonight with my lead story here is Yellowstone rated high threat for volcanic eruption. And I know you're saying, what the heck does that have to do with paranormal stuff? Well, if you've ever heard anything about the supervolcano under Yellowstone, this is in the realm of the paranormal people because this is something that doesn't happen every day. We don't have a supervolcano every day. And my lead story is... Yellowstone rated high threat for volcanic eruption. Government report calls for better monitoring of potential trouble spots. In Yellowstone National Park, the Yellowstone caldera has been classified a high threat for volcanic eruption, according to a report from the U.S. Geological Survey. Yellowstone ranks 21st most dangerous of the 169 volcano centers in the United States, according to the USGS's first ever comprehensive review of the nation's volcanoes. Kilauea in Hawaii received the highest overall threat score, followed by Mount St. Helens and Mount Rainier in Washington, Mount Hood in Oregon, and Mount Shasta in California. Kilauea has been erupting since 1983. Mount St. Helens, which erupted catastrophically in 1980, began venting again in 2004. Those volcanoes fall within the very high threat group, which includes 18 systems. Yellowstone is classified with 36 others as high threat. Recurring earthquake swarms, swelling and falling ground, and changes in hydrothermal features are cited in the report as evidence of unrest at Yellowstone. 
The report calls for better monitoring of the 55 volcanoes in the very high and high threat categories to track seismic activity, ground bulging, gas emissions, and hydraulic changes. University of Utah Geology professor Robert Smith, who monitors earthquakes and volcanic activities in Yellowstone, said more real-time monitoring should be helpful. We've really been stressing over the last couple of years that the USGS should consider hazards as a very high priority in their future, he said. We need to get the public's confidence and the perception that we're doing it right. The university has joined the Geological Survey and Yellowstone National Park in creating the Yellowstone Volcano Observatory, which uses ground-based instruments throughout the region and satellite data to monitor volcanic and earthquake unrest in the world's first national park. The USGS report recognizes Yellowstone as an unusual hazard because of the millions of people who visit the park and walk amid features created by North America's largest volcanic system, Smith said, a status he has been advocating for years. Smith does not paint the devastating picture portrayed in a recent TV docudrama, but said smaller threats exist. For example, a lower-scale hydrothermal blast could scald tourists strolling along the boardwalks. Emission of toxic gases from the park's geothermal features also pose a threat. Five bison dropped dead last year after inhaling poisonous gases trapped near the ground due to cold, calm weather near Norse Geyser Basin. Stepped-up monitoring in a new 24-hour watch office could lead to more timely warnings and help avoid human catastrophes at Yellowstone and a national and and nationally, according to the USGS, kind of got choked up there, 45 eruptions, including 15 cases of notable volcanic unrest, have been documented at 33 volcanoes in the U.S. since 1980, according to the report released April 29th. So Yellowstone is a threat, but you know what? It is not the high threat that everyone thought it was going to be. Instead of it being a very high threat, it has just been classified a step under that, which is a high threat for volcanic eruption, and that is according to a report just released from the USGS, the United States Geological Survey. So it's only 21st most dangerous out of the 169 volcano centers in the United States. So all of this stuff that we've been hearing on the news and uh even on the, uh, and please don't don't think that I'm criticizing this show because I absolutely love this show that I'm about to to quote here. It is the that is why I do this show. It's why I do what I do. But the the uh, coast to coast AM with George Norrie and Art Bell have had guests on saying that how Yellowstone is gonna blow the heck up. And you know it's only 21st among the 169 volcano centers. So uh, now. 20, 21 out of 169, now it's not low on the list, but it's not in the top 10 either, people, okay? So it, it's dangerous, but it's not as dangerous as what people are telling us. Now, of course, you could be saying, well, that's just the USGS trying to blow smoke up our yahoos. Well, it very well could be, but I think I'm going to stick with what the USGS is saying. I think people are making a bigger deal out of this than than what they, sh they should be. And this... Uh, TV show, this docudrama that they were talking about, I saw that, and I can't remember if it was on the Learning Channel or if it was on uh, the Discovery Channel, but it was on one of those things, and uh, it was a pretty good, it was long, it was pretty good, um, but um, I don't think anything like that is going to be happening uh, 
uh, for a very, very long time, at least not in our lifetimes, definitely. Uh, so y is it dangerous? Yes, but uh, are we all going to die a horrible, violent death here in the next 15 or 20 years? No, I don't think so. It's going to happen eventually, but it's going to be a long, long time from now. We'll all be dead, so we shouldn't have to worry about it, hopefully. All right, moving right along, my next story is, this is where we start talking about the morons that I have been saying. My next story is, oh man, you're going to love this. Oral sex caused car smash. Oral sex caused car smash. Police in Romania, that's right, Romania, were shocked to find a car crash was caused because a couple were having oral sex while driving. The driver lost control on a crowded road and, uh, and collided with an oncoming car. The young man, whose identity was not revealed, admitted to police that he was having a quote-unquote hell of a time at the time of the crash. Police said the couple were still in their car, fully naked, when officers reached the scene of the accident. The couple were found completely naked in their car. <laughs> a sp <laughs> wow, a spokesperson said, we couldn't believe our eyes, but it was the naked truth. They were having sex while driving. We hope they have learned their lesson now, not to do anything distracting while driving. Three people needed medical help after the crash. Now, okay, I'm a guy, all right? Obviously, I'm a guy. And in case you didn't know it, yes, I'm a man. I'm a guy. Just about every guy on the face of the planet has received oral sex while he was driving in the car. If you have not, raise your hand right now. Okay, I don't see anyone raising their hand, so there it is. I'm proven correct, okay? Statistics, according to this show, the research that I have just done within the last 30 seconds, will show that just that every guy receives oral sex while driving in the car. All right? So that is not unusual in itself. What is highly unusual, though, is that the idiot was they were totally naked. Not only was he totally naked, but the girl that was performing the act was also totally naked. Why? Do you need to be totally naked to do that? Okay? You don't. Trust me, I, I, that has happened to me on more than one occasion, and I have never had to be totally naked, and neither has the person who is doing it. They never had to be totally naked. Now, I will admit, though, it is very distracting. And if it does get distracting, you need to do what Sandman does, and that's pull over on the side of the road. <laughs> If if it's that good, pull over to the side of the road, and you won't wreck, okay? So don't be a moron and get totally naked to get oral sex while driving down the road. If it's going to be distracting to you, please save lives and pull over on the side of the road. Three people had to go to the hospital. Now, what would be really interesting would would be to learn if he received any um, trauma to his naughty bits. Because <laughs> they were having oral sex. I mean, it says so in the, in, the, in the story. They were having oral sex. So we all know what happens 
whenever you have oral sex, especially when a woman is performing it on a man. And if you don't know, then uh, you need some help, okay? Uh, I think everybody knows. It doesn't matter. if you, I don't care if you're five years old. I think five-year-olds are learning what the heck oral sex is now. You know, it's going around. Uh, oral sex is not considered sex anymore, thanks to our former President Clinton, you moron. Now, that is a moron right there. I am so glad he is out of the office. I don't care what your feelings on Bush is. He's better than what we had in there, okay? But anyway, I, I would just love to, to find out if if he received any damage to his naughty bits. I mean, I wonder if it got, if he, you know, does he have any bite marks or whatever? <laughs> it would be very interesting to find that story out. And, you know, in, in a, a totally separate yet related story, I know of a couple... And I am not from here. I come from, from somewhere else. <laughs> if I'm not from here, yeah, I do come from somewhere else, right? Jeez, that was so brilliant. I come from Alabama. And don't diss Alabama, okay? Alabama's a great state. But we've got morons in Alabama, just like there are morons everywhere else. And I know of a story of a couple who were engaged in some sexual activity in the back of a car... And um, for one reason or another, the car was either in neutral or it was still in drive or something like that. But anyway, it was not in park. And as they were engaged in their activities, the car began to roll down this. It wasn't a hill. It was just the incline. And uh, they, of course, did not notice because they were busy doing other things. And at the bottom of this incline was a set of railroad tracks. And the car hit the railroad tracks, and the guy bit off the nipple of his lover <laughs> because <laughs> well the impact of the of the car on the railroad tracks, and he bit off the lady the he bit off the poor woman's nipple, and uh, <laughs> Talk about a bloody mouthful. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, they had to end their date so she could go to the emergency room to get her nipple sewed back on. All right. I don't think you want to hear anything else about that. <laughs> now, my next story in News of the Strange is we're getting a theme tonight, uh, believe it or not. Listen to this. Prostitution 101. That's right. Prostitution 101. It's a higher education of the horizontal variety. About 25 sex workers went to a college of sorts, sitting through lectures on effective marketing, stress reduction, and um, sex toy skills. We are still illegal, instructor Kimberly Klein said before her 20-minute demonstration. If we want to be treated as business professionals, we need to act ethically within the industry. Other cities, including Tucson, Arizona, Portland, Oregon, Montreal, and Taipei, Taiwan, have similar events, said organizer Carol Lee. Presented in conjunction with the San Francisco Sex Worker Film and Arts Festival, the class at an erotic art gallery was billed as a way for working girls and guys to polish their skills in a supportive atmosphere. It was the first time the Biennial Festival began in 1999 to showcase films about and by sex workers included a session devoted to how to maintain a satisfying career. 
My own personal experience has been negative and positive, as with any job, says Kimberly Cutter, 36, a mother of two from Tucson who returned to prostitution two years ago to boost her income and regards it as part of a journey in personal self-discovery. Her children, ages seven and nine, know what she does for a living, she said. Participants who stuck it out for the whole day received diplomas certifying them as GSW, graduates in sex work. So now hoes can get a certification. They can be GSWs, graduates in sex work. And, you know, I've never had to use um, that type of service before. Um, and I don't ever plan on it, but should I do ever find myself in the need for a uh, prostitute, an escort, a hoe, whatever, I think I'm going to have to make sure that they have their GSW certification. Because after all, you obviously want someone who knows what they're doing, right? So if they've got the certification to prove it, they should know what it is that they're doing. Give me a freaking break. Can you believe that there are people who are going they're they're going to stuff like this how bad off mentally do you have to be to say oh yeah i'm going to get my graduate or my my gsw my graduate in social work what why who cares really i mean seriously who cares and this lady, this Kimberly, you notice how all the ladies are named Kim or Kimberly? That's really weird. This Kimberly Cutter person, she's got two kids, age seven and nine, and she tells them that she's a hoe. Mommy, where are you going? Uh, mommy, got to go out on the street. I got to go get the money. So I'm going to sell myself. I mean, what? you know, it... Look, I, I personally don't feel that there's anything wrong with prostitution, although I've never used a prostitute and don't ever plan on it. But I don't really feel that there's anything wrong about prostitution. I think we should all take a hint from Las Vegas, Nevada, and look at what they're doing and legalize the crap. Just legalize it. Everybody has sex. Just about everybody. <laughs> the majority of the population of this planet, let's say, has sex, okay? It's not illegal if you do it for free and it's consenting. You know, if you don't charge for it and you have consensual sex, you're just considered a slut. But if you have consensual sex with someone and money changes hands, now you're a whore, and it's illegal. I don't get that. I don't understand. So why make it illegal? People are going to have sex anyway, so why not just make it legal? Who cares if there's money that's exchanging hands? If this lady's got to feed her kids, and that's how she chooses to feed her kids, let her do it as long as no one's getting hurt. You know, she's not forcing anyone to do it. No one's getting hurt. She's not beating anybody up. But at the same time, I don't think that it is morally right 
to tell your seven and nine year old kid, hey, I'm a hoe. I just don't think that is morally right. But however, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with the legalization of prostitution. I think that prostitutes should be legal. And uh, there you go. That's, I mean, and like I said, I guess if I ever find myself in the need of such a service, I'm going to have to make sure they got their GSW because uh, I, I know it may cost me a little more to get someone who is a graduate in sex work. But if they've got a graduate in sex work, if they've got a certificate, if they've got some sort of degree, they should know what they're doing. And I, for one, would be willing to pay the extra money for uh, the quality of the service, let's say. And, uh, hey, they've got on, uh, they know how to market themselves effectively, reduce stress, and use those sex toys. So, hey, might as well just go ahead and take the GSW the graduate in social work and oops got to speak into the mic that always helps this third story man this was sent to me these last two stories here were sent to me by some fans of the show and this one is actually you have to go to the website to look at it uh, because it's just it's more of a visual thing but I promise this guy that I would uh, I have this on the show, so I'm fulfilling my, my obligation. I always try and fulfill my obligation. But uh, the title of this is Dumbest Guy on Earth. Now, this picture is real, and it's on the website, uh, parealityradio.tripod.com, under the News of this Strange link. Go down to the bottom, and there's a picture of a car. Like I said, this picture is real. It's not doctored in any way. It was taken by a transportation supervisor for a company that delivers building materials for 84 lumber. Now, when he saw this car in the in a parking lot of an IHOP, he went out and bought a disposable camera to take pictures. Now, the car in the picture is still running, as can be witnessed by the exhaust. Now, there's a woman that is either asleep or otherwise passed out or whatever in the front passenger side. The driver was jogging up and down on Route 95, which can be seen in the background. Witnesses said the physical and mental state of, these, of the couple was other than normal. And the driver finally came back after the police were called to him, and the police found him crouched behind the rear of the car, attempting to cut the twine around the load. And luckily, the police stopped him and had the load removed. Now, I know you're talking about load. What are you talking about load? Well, this guy has a little red foreign job car. Maybe, well, it, it might be a Ford Escort or something, but it's a, it's, it's a very small car. Although it does have four doors, it is a compact car. And uh, attached to, this, to the roof of this compact car are 4x4s, 2x2s, and a whole stack of plywood. I mean, just it is a just a huge stack of plywood, and it's all tied to the roof and back of this car with twine. We're not talking about a truck. We're talking about a car, and it's tied with twine around it. And they got this load at Home Depot, and the manager there said that they made the customer sign a waiver. 
Now, you can see in the picture, obviously, the plywood, the 2x4s, and the 4x4s, and all that sort of stuff. That's fairly obvious. But what you can't see is in the back seat of the car, which has, now, you got to get ready for this. Listen to this. It has 10 bags of concrete that weigh 80 pounds each. 10 bags of concrete that weigh 80 pounds each. The load was estimated to weigh 3,000 pounds. Both back tires of the car exploded, the wheels bent, and the back shocks were driven th up through the floorboard. Now this car with Florida plates unfortunately was headed for Columbiana, Alabama, where the couple presumably planned to build a new house. And why I say unfortunately for Alabama is because, you know, I'm kind of from Alabama. And uh, like I said, we got morons there too, just like everybody else does. But uh, if, if you have got to go to the website and click on this so you can see it, parerealityradio.tripod.com. It is hilarious. Uh, you know, number one, I can't believe that there's morons out there who would think that piling all that crap on a car, a car, talking about a car, we're not talking about a truck, that they would think that piling 3,000 pounds of stuff on a car is okay, that it would work. I can't believe that there are morons out there who are like that. And not only that, but the morons at the Home Depot store actually did it. Who cares whether they signed a waiver or not? You should have enough common sense about yourself to say no... We're not loading that onto your car. I mean, just the 10, pack, the 10 bags of 80-pound concrete, that's 800 pounds right there. That shouldn't have been in the car either. And I can't, you know, I don't know who's the bigger idiot here. The people at the Home Depot? Or is it the people who had the car that piled all the stuff on there? Who, is the, who the heck is the... Is the the dumbest, I you know, I, I the whole thing to me, it, it goes back to the people at the Home Depot because they're the ones who who loaded it on the car because the people couldn't have done it themselves. So the people at the Home Depot, as far as I am concerned, are directly responsible for that. And I, who knows how far this car made it? It couldn't have made it very far. But uh, so now these people, obviously, they have a ticket. And their car is screwed up, so they got to get a new car, or at least get paid several thousand dollars to get that one fixed. And uh, they still can't build a house. And Jesus Christ Almighty, they don't deserve to be running around loose on the streets. These people need to be in a padded cell somewhere being evaluated. You need to lock these poor people up and get them off of the streets so they don't hurt anybody. It is just a wonder that they didn't hurt anybody with all this crap. I can't... It's just... It's hard to, to imagine the car actually even went anywhere at all. But, you know, they could have very easily had a, uh, an accident. Some of that stuff could have fallen out on the freeway. I mean, it was just ridiculous that anybody c could think that they could get away with something like this. It's, it, is, it is... Oh, man, it's amazing. And... My final story comes from another listener out there. Um, and by the way, that, that first story came from... Uh, 
Who did that come from? Let me look here. Oh, yeah, that, that first story comes from one of my listeners, uh, Magugula. And these are these are email addresses. I'm not giving real names out. This come, That came from Magugula. And this other story, this is my last story here, closing up the show, or winding down the show, comes from Talis. And this story is castrated by lobsters. That's right, castrated by lobsters. A daring thief who stuffed a pair of live lobsters in his pants... Learned that crime doesn't pay when the frisky creatures gave him a vasectomy. Police say that the 24-year-old shoplifter was leaving a Bristol, England supermarket when he removed the lobsters from their tank and shoved them in his trousers. The man sprinted past stunned checkout girls but came to a screeching halt when he felt the lobsters clutching on his manhood. The thorny creatures were finally removed when emergency medics pried them loose with pliers. Doctors say the thief will fully recover from his frightening tangle with the lobsters, but he will never be a daddy. Basically, it was a do-it-yourself vasectomy, said the doctor. The patient's sexual abilities will be restored in time, but he will not be able to father children. The thief's painful prank landed him in the hospital where he is expected to remain for three or four weeks. But thanks to a kind-hearted supermarket manager, he will not be charged with any crime. The guy's gone through enough pain, said the store manager. I think he has learned his lesson. I doubt if he'll ever steal again. What a freaking moron this guy is. Give me a break. Who in their right mind is going to take a live lobster and shove it down their pants? Now, usually these guys have, like, the big rubber bands over their claws because they got, like, one big claw, one little claw or something like that. I mean, lobsters are delicious, let's face it, but who is going to shove one down their freaking pants? What an idiot. He got what he deserved. I mean, this guy is a moron from the word get-go. Moron with a capital M. He's walking around with a cape with a big M on his chest, man. You know, he is so lucky that he is going to be able to have sex again. And thank God for the rest of us that he can't reproduce. Because if he could, then we'd be walking around with other little morons like this guy. Walking, you know, roaming the streets. Dangerous. <laughs> you know? So, good. it's a good news, bad news type thing. Good news in the fact that he can't have kids anymore. Bad news is that the store manager decided not to press charges. Because if it would have been me, I would have been the, the a-hole and I would have, yeah, I would have pressed charges. He'd be spending some time in jail after he got out of the hospital. I would make dang sure that this guy never robbed anybody again because I'd put him in the freaking jail. I would prosecute. My thing on crooks is this. Crooks are idiots. They're stupid. They don't have the mental capacity to get an education or to hold down a real job, so they resort to thievery. And most most crooks are just, just dumb, and they, that's why they get caught, is because they are idiots. I mean, it doesn't take that much intelligence to go to Hardee's or McDonald's and flip a grease burger, but instead of doing that, these morons think, oh, it's a lot easier for me to go steal some stuff, so I'll go steal it. But the problem with it is you're not intelligent enough to to get away with it. You're idiots. That's why we read about you in stories like this all the time. And if you keep listening to this show, you're going to keep hearing dumb crook stories all over the place. 
because crooks are dumb. They're just dumb. Now, I'm not talking about these high-collar, high-dollar high people who embezzle and do all this stuff, like the, the Enron people. I mean, they were pretty smart. They got away with it for a while. But in the end, they proved that their arrogance got hold of them because they couldn't, they were too greedy. And, and usually the good crooks, that's usually what gets them, and I say good crooks, usually the smart crooks, that's what gets them because they get greedy and they try to get more and more and more money. And, you know, how much money is enough, people? After you've got several million, how much is enough? Not that all crooks get millions of dollars, but still, you know. But this guy, it, he he partially got what he deserved. I mean, he de he deserved to uh, he deserves to not ha have children. That that is a good thing for the rest of society. But he also deserves to spend some time in jail. And he's lucky, very lucky, that he didn't get his PP whacked off by a lobster. And he's also very lucky that he's not going to spend any time in jail. Had it been me that was the store manager, yep, he would be doing time after his crime. And that, ladies and gentlemen, winds down news of the strange this evening. Uh, you know, I hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. Let me know what you thought about it by dropping me an email to prradio at 50g.com. That's prradio at the number 50, letter G, dot Com. And also, please remember to visit my website. That's parareality.radio.tripod.com. And while you're there, if you want to leave me a message in my forum, just click on my forum link and state your mind in my forum. Just look about halfway down the page, and you'll see the Parareality Radio thread. That's after you click on the forum link. And just in case you do have uh, some news of the strange for me, Please just send an email to me with the news of the strange uh, in with uh, news of the strange in the subject line, and um, attach that uh, story, and uh, I will do my best to make sure that I post it on the website and read it on the air. And by the way, I do have a newsletter that I send out twice a month. So it's a uh, bi-weekly newsletter called Sandescripts, and it just tells a little bit of information about my uh, radio show, who the guest is going to be, or what topic I'm going to ha uh, be speaking on that particular night. I have guests uh, about every other show on the average, and uh, when I don't have guests, I do a, a show very much like tonight, an informational type show. And uh, it's sent out, like I said, every other week, twice a month, and it has all kinds of information about my show, my guests, and some other little odds and end tidbits information, and it's called Sandscripts. So if you would like to subscribe to the official newsletter of Parareality Radio, which is Sandscripts, you can also send me an email with... Uh, in the subject line, just put Sandscripts in the subject line, and I will add you to my uh, list for my email newsletter. And I don't worry. I know how people are about their email address. Uh, I don't spam you. I don't sell your email address to spammers. I keep everything confidential. And the only emails that you will be getting from me will be the Sanscripts newsletter, unless you specifically uh, write to me and ask me a question or whatever. I always try to respond to 
all emails, um, even though it may take me a couple of days or so, I do eventually get around to answering all of my emails. So if you do email me, just hang in there you know, if, and, and wait if I haven't responded to you after a couple of days. But uh, I will only either respond to your question or to your email or send you my Sanskrit newsletter. That's all that you will get. And it, at any time, should you choose to not receive the email newsletter, all you have to do is just send me an email asking to be removed, and that's it. Your name will be removed off the list, and you'll never, ever get that annoying newsletter again. Okay? So send me some uh, news of the strange stories if you got it. And also let me know, you know, anything that you thought about the show, good, bad, ugly, in between, I don't care. Um, whatever. You know, just uh, send me an email. Let me know anything. And uh, if you don't want to email me, you can always post it in my forum. Just go to my website and click on the forum link. That's perrealityradio.tripod.com. Email address is prradio at 50g.com. So make sure that you uh, let me know what you think about the show. And uh, that's going to do it for Perreality Radio this evening. I hope that this radio program opens up your mind to new ways of thinking and expands your consciousness and produces a change in the way that you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening and a wonderful weekend, and I will see you again in two weeks on Friday, June the 3rd, 2005. This is Sandman. I'm out of here. See you in two weeks.